a very special episode today, podcast fans, with the one and only Chris Gaskin. You know him as the head coach of Ridgefield Park in New Jersey and also as the very first guest on the Greatest Games podcast. This is a fun episode where all three of us talk about our favorite memories around the NCAA tournament and the Final Four. So check it out and also check out teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball for incredible coaching resources from the great Steve Collins. And if you haven't done so already, check out our good friend Billy Kegler on the Competitive Mindset podcast. That podcast is rolling. So check out all the great stuff that he is posting there on social at Competitive Pod. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always on the Greatest Games Podcast. A chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a high school coach, a college coach, a middle school coach, a CYO coach, or even as a returning guest to the Greatest Games podcast. You know, I, there are some public uh, p- apologies. There's some public thanks that I want to go ahead and have for our guest today. He is the very first guest, episode one, back on April the 12th, 2020. Can you believe it? Almost one year ago today, this gentleman, Chris Gaskin of Ridgefield Park, joined us for episode one. We're going to say some thanks and some apologies. I'll get to those in a minute. But, Chris, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. First time I felt like a guinea pig. This time I feel like I'm actually a welcome guest. I appreciate it. <laughs> you were a guinea pig that first night when we did this. When, <laughs> when, our, when our lives first went into pandemic hell. <laughs> It really was. I mean, I, I remember we were talking pre-show before we hit record about just how different the world was. It was a complete shutdown. And when Chris says, hey, you want to start a podcast? Yes. Uh, yes. You don't even. Yeah, please. Something. Yeah, anything to do. Yeah. Do you know anybody want to come on the show? Yes. Ah, oh, yeah. Chris Gaskin, he'll come on the show. And you're right. You were you were a guinea pig. Uh, so we really appreciate you coming on the show. And we're over 100 episodes now. I had some great guests. So we really appreciate you doing that, helping us get started. And the apology is that we didn't know what the heck we were doing back then. We probably still don't, Chris de Blasio, but we've come, <laughs> we've come a long way, I think. So thank you. I'm sorry, Chris Gaskin. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I've listened to a lot of your, uh, your interviews, a lot of people that I'm friends with from, from this northern New Jersey area, but so many of your other interviews. And, you know, I've spoken to Chris de Blasio about some other guys you know, in other areas that, you know, I'm certainly willing to help you guys out. I think you guys have done a great job, especially during the pandemic. You know, you gave people an opportunity to to, to kind of do something different. And it was a really uh, a great idea from the beginning. And I applaud you for continuing it. And I hope it continues to, uh, to roll. Well, Coach Gaskin, just briefly, briefly, before we get into kind of our topic for the day, uh, I do want to congratulate you on uh, your basketball season this year. I believe you played in New Jersey. We were allowed to play a max of 15 games due to all the restrictions and everything. And I believe yours was one of the teams that got in 15 games. So if you can just briefly tell us about your season this year. Uh, you listen, like, like anybody else, uh, every day you waited for that phone call to ring. You waited for something to unfortunately happen. Uh, and, you know, you just felt so bad for the, for the kids the boys and the girls on, on, on each of the teams. And uh, I, I admit every time my phone rang, I was waiting for some type of bad news. We thankfully only got shut down for two days. We had a kid who 
kind of didn't feel well, but unfortunately, any type of not feeling well, you had to go get tested. Thankfully, this kid got a PCR test very, very fast that came back negative and it allowed us to continue our season. Some other people went for a PCR test at other schools. They didn't get their results back for three, four, five, six days. And uh, those teams lost out on, on playing games. You know, Chris, as you mentioned, the state of New Jersey allowed you to play 15 games. And there were some, some of our, our rivals who got shut down at the end of the year. And thankfully, we were able to pick up a few other games because, I mean, when this year was all said and done for, you know, like oh, so many teams were sharing league titles and this and that. And that's really not this year what this year was about. It was about giving these kids a chance to play games. And I was very happy for my seniors who are great kids who've had uh, a great run in our program. But the fact that they were able to play 15 games uh, was so meaningful for, for them and for me. Uh, obviously unprecedented times. And I know down here in South Carolina, talking with my coaches, uh, it's a quick story about our, I had a meeting with our spring coaches before the season really started. And I said, guys and girls, you know, just, just be prepared for change. Like things, things are probably going to change. Uh, we're going to have to skip some games or your opponents are going to have to skip some games or whatever. And, I, it was about a week into our season that we had to start canceling games and scratching games out. And I had one coach come to me and was frustrated, like, why does it have to be this way? Guys, you have no idea what we've been doing in the fall and the winter. So just like I told you, be ready for change. And just like you said, just to be able to have these kids have at least some semblance of a season has, has really been the win. Well, and you talk about that and you talk about the strange occurrences that, that, that happen. I mean, I could, Real quick, my, my team, we avoided it for the most part. Our girls' basketball team got shut down a couple of times. One time, they were in the middle of the third quarter, and a parent from the other school came running in the gym and ran on the court, said, you need to stop the game. My daughter tested positive. The daughter was on the court playing the game. Shouldn't have even been there. And then the last day of basketball in the state of New Jersey was March 6th, Saturday, March 6th. Our girls' team played a game in the morning, they, they were ended their season. Four days later, they got a phone call from the school that they played saying one of the girls that played in that game tested positive. So our girls got quarantined again for another 14 days. So just, so you said it, unprecedented. I'm going to say it, just crazy times. Flat out crazy times that God willing, we never have to go through again. Well, speaking of crazy times, this is they call a transition in the business. Wow. Uh, one of the fun, crazy times of year for basketball junkies, like the two people that I'm on this podcast with and myself, is March Madness. There are people that know nothing about sports that know what the words March Madness are. And we are engulfed in the middle of it. We are so thankful that we have an NCAA tournament this year. We, we were robbed of it last year. Not robbed of it. I was, it's a silly, you know, obviously there was a, global pandemic, but this is one of the most fun times of the year. So we wanted to have Coach Gaskin on, who grew up a basketball junkie, and uh, talk about our our favorite memories of the NCAA tournament. Coach, uh, you wanted to say 39 years ago today, the date of this recording, we're recording this on Monday, 329, you fell in love with college basketball. Can you tell us what happened on that day? Yeah. Well, um, I was 11 years old. I just turned 50 recently, so that was – how I'm able to remember times and years getting old but I know it was 1982 and I just remember seeing Patrick Ewing and Michael Jordan for the first time sitting you know with my father in the living room and 
you know, we were always sports fans, but uh, you know, I never like over the top. And that day I just became uh, enthralled with March Madness. And it just led to the following year. I remember being 12 years old, laying in my bed upstairs. My mother's yelling for me to go to bed. I'm like, no, no, no. And I, I was able to watch Jimmy Valvano run around the pit down in Albuquerque, you know, and then just the years after that, I was a huge Chris Mullen fan. So being able to watch St. John's make it to the final four in 85 uh, or 84, when that, when Georgetown wound up uh, losing to Villanova, that was 85. 85. Right? Three, 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 three big East teams. It was in Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah. That's you know, and then, you know, I became a Duke fan and I never forget, uh, never nervous Purvis Ellison beating Jay Billis and Johnny Dawkins and Tommy Amaker. And then my senior year of high school, 1989, I was big into Seton Hall and they lost to, they lost to Michigan, that phantom call. Uh, um, <laughs> and, you know, to this day, it's just, I love March Madness. I've told people when I, when I die, they need to play one shining moment at my wake. That's how, that's how important this tournament is in my life. I love it. And, and you know, it's something I look forward to every year. And Chris, like you said, not having it last year certainly was different. That was one you, the mark. Yeah, not not having it last year was just like, what is happening? And even really, and, and I know Chris De Blasio and Chris Gaskin. I don't know if you're a big golf fan or not, but not being able to have the Masters oh, right after yes, the Final Four in April absolutely. was like, what is happening to the world? I know this is not a golf podcast, <laughs> but but you're right. It was just one of those things. It's just like, what is happening in the world to just be able to go without it? I remember sitting, I guess when it was. I can't remember exactly when it was, Chris DeBlasio. You'll know more about it than I would because you've got a, a memory uh, just, just like an elephant. But uh, just when they canceled the tournament, I'm like, what, what do you mean you canceled? You can't cancel the <laughs> tournament. What do you – college baseball canceled the season. I mean, what is going – what are you doing? You can't cancel that. And it was just – it was really an, an empty spot for me. Yeah, listen, yeah I don't I, remember I, the official date. Um. It, I guess March 13th was when the NBA was when uh, Rudy Gobert tested positive. And then the was the Big East was in the middle of their games, right? Uh, the middle half of that halftime, half time. they canceled one game during the Big East tournament. Um, but yeah, Chris, uh, again, to take us back to some of those memories, we'll get to one big game in a minute. But that first game, Ewing and Jordan, uh, you were 11 years old. I, I was not old enough to remember that game. Um but that game is legendary. Obviously, Jordan hit the shot to win it, and that's sort of where the, the, the legend of Michael Jordan began to grow. Not that he – legend is he, – he proved the legend. <laughs> um, but that game is a classic game uh, for Patrick Ewing, goaltending the first couple shots. Well, John, Tom, John Thompson told him to do that, to send to the message. To intimidate him. Yeah. Uh, the one cool thing was last year they played some of those games. CBS did oh, during yes. the pandemic. You know, it's uh, and you know, you know, it's another game that I never forget. And not to jump, I mean, I'm, I was a big Duke fan, and you know, just the other day was the anniversary of Christian Leitner against Kentucky. But a lot of people forget that at the Meadowlands Arena, by where Chris and I grew up, uh, is where um, Leitner had his first big shot against UConn in the Sweet 16, uh, maybe the year earlier. You know, but but then to follow it up and you talk about North Jersey is such a hotbed for so much, you know, for years, you know, we had Bobby Hurley at Duke. That was always worth uh, certainly rooting for Duke for me. And then Pat Sullivan from nearby Bogota, New Jersey. He was actually on the free throw line when Christian when, um, when Chris Weber got the rebound and dribbled and called the timeout. 
and he's a local guy. His brother is a good friend of Chris's eyes. So, I mean, there's always some type of connection. I know when I was in college, it's the only time my alma mater, St. Francis, Pennsylvania, love the red flash. Only time they ever made the NCAA tournament, which just so happens I happen to be there, which just goes along with my love of the tournament. You know, and then just a few years back, one of my players was on the team at Fairleigh Dickinson and went to the NCAA tournament. And just to be able to be with the team the night that they, uh, you know, they invited me and all their coaches uh, to a room to watch the team find out who they were going to play. I mean, it's just, just so many great memories. And I, I love this tournament probably as much as uh, I love anything else in life. I mean, it really has always been something that's important to me. And yeah, I'm a basketball junkie, but the memories and, and the, the players and the events, you know, just the other day, you see Bryce Drew. Who's ever going to forget Bryce Drew's amazing shot when he played for his father at, uh, at what was that school out in Indiana? Uh, oh. Valparaiso, you know? And you look at guys like Wally Zerbiak, who've become big-time announcers through the years. He really made his name playing for Miami, Ohio, back in the in the mid-'90s when, they, when he took mm -hmm. them on a run. But, you know, there's just something about this tournament. You know, it's magical. That's for sure. All right. So, okay. Oh, here's the trivia question, Rose and Coach Gaskin. Here we go. He mentioned it. He's Bryce Drew, Valparaiso, 12-4 matchup, classic 12-4, 12-5. What is it, 12-5 is the matchup? That's right. In the 12. brackets, 12-5. Who was the five seed that they were playing Man. when Bryce Drew hit the shot? I don't know. Was Gaskin, it, do you have it? Was it Syracuse? No, it was a Southeastern Conference school. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, dead air. You gotta love that. Yeah, great radio. <laughs> Who, what, Tennessee? It wasn't South Carolina because you wouldn't have brought it. It up. was. It was not. It was not. Uh, South Carolina, I think, got eliminated in the first round that year. It was when they had those back-to-back, -back, uh, not great games. It was Ole Miss, the Rebels of Ole Miss. Oh. All right. Okay. And if you want to get really nerdy, Oregon I can State tell you who Ole Miss. Oregon State just tied it up. Came back. I can tell you who Ole Miss's best player was, and that was Ansu Cisse. Ansu Cisse, wow. One of the great uh, – so I was going to ask you, Chris, when you brought it up, you brought up Bryce Drew and, and uh, Zerbiak, who are a little bit more known. I, for, for whatever remember, I remember Ansu Cisse. What's the name of a player you remember watching? Uh, really oh, obscure I, names. You know, and you know the one that always comes up is always uh, the kid from Wyoming. What was his name? Uh, Fennis, Fennis Dembo. Dembo. Fennis, Fennis Dembo, Dembo always came out of nowhere. <laughs> How about a few years ago? Uh, who was the, the little guard from Michigan? Um, had a great game in the national championship just a couple years ago. Oh, Burke. Um, no, no, not Burke. Uh, he transferred Ooh. afterwards. Little guy. Oh, I can't remember his name. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. You're catching me off guard with that one. But what a, you know, just amazing. Well, you, you, you mentioned uh, Oregon State tying it up for our fans that are listening here on a Wednesday when this post we are – Watching live Houston and Oregon State in a 12-2 matchup. Houston just took the lead. So it'll be interesting to see how this one uh, turns out by the end of the show. Um, but uh, just just speaking speaking of the tournament there, you know, Chris Gaskin, you mentioned about being in the room uh, during Selection Sunday. I had a, a, the great fortune to be watching the, the Colonial Athletic Association um, and their conference tournament a couple of years ago down in Charleston. And it was Hofstra playing – 
somebody, I can't remember who Hofstra, Hofstra was matched up with. I've never, oh, uh, Northeastern, I believe. So Hofstra and Northeastern playing in front of about, I don't know, 600 fans and just the absolute energy in that building of we got to win, we got to get to the tournament, we got to win. Uh, so just tell us what, what it was like to be in that room during Selection Sunday. I've, I've never I've never heard many no, stories you about You know what, and, and it's a credit to the, the Fairleigh Dickinson coaches, even to this day, Greg Horenda, who's done an amazing job, and Bruce Hamburger, who's their associate head coach, who I've known since I was in college. He was actually on the staff at Seton Hall back in 1989, when they lost in a national championship game. And, uh, you know, they do a great job of, you know, they told the, the guys on the team, look, if you have family or, or people who are important to you, who you'd like to invite, you know, by all means invite them. So it, it was just really cool to sit there and you're waiting with the team as they're watching the TV screen, waiting for their team to be, uh, to show up on the screen. So it, it was a really cool uh, atmosphere. It was really cool to be part of. And it just goes back to, you know, like, I don't want to say I was jealous, but like I've told people I'd give up five years of my life if I could coach in that tournament <laughs> because it really, you know, it's, it's, it's a spectacle. It, it, it captivates the entire country or most of the country. I know there's some people who don't know the difference between a basketball and a, and a baseball, but you know, there's, there is something amazing about it. And, and March Madness is the, is the perfect moniker because every single game, you never know what's going to happen. What I love is being in the arena, if you've ever been to, especially the first two days, if you've ever been to games. I know they've had some down in the Meadowlands. Chris, I don't know if you ever got a chance to go to those or even the regionals. But on game day, when I worked at the University of Kentucky, we were playing in the first round St. Bonaventure. And we were playing in Cleveland. And St. Bonaventure is just up in Buffalo. And Buffalo to Cleveland is not a far ride. So I think the entire campus of St. Bonaventure's was at the arena in Cleveland. And now Kentucky basketball, you know, very hoity-toity. They just expect to win, that kind of thing. And the game after us was Syracuse against, I forget who, but uh, so there were a ton of Syracuse fans coming into the game and St. Bonaventure was hanging with us. And you can feel the energy in the crowd as everyone except for the Kentucky fans, any general fans, but the Syracuse fans, the Bonnie fans, they're all cheering for St. Bonaventures. And we had to have Tayshawn Prince hit a three-pointer to put it into overtime. And I mean, just the, the explosion of excitement in those first round games when those lower seeded teams have a chance. And that was a 13-4 game. We were a four seed with the Bonnies beating us the whole game. That, and I and I was working for Kentucky, and I was almost rooting for St. Bonaventure. Like, that's yeah. how much fun it is. Yeah, well, uh, the Bonnies, sure. Yeah, I was just, as you're talking, I'm thinking, like, I've been to my fair share of Big East tournament games, but I remember back in the mid to late 90s, the Meadowlands hosted the East region, and I went to the, the Friday night and then the Sunday, and big country Bryant Reeves, they won the section with Oklahoma yep. State, and they went to the Final Four. But I got the last NCAA tournament game that I went to was a couple years ago. It was the East region final on Easter Sunday. A couple of my buddies from work, we drove down. It was Notre Dame versus North Carolina down in Philly. I think it was 2016. And you just talk about two, you know, big time programs, the people. And that was the day that Syracuse actually beat Illinois 
in their final earlier in the day, but just the <clears> energy <throat> and even on an Easter Sunday, when you think people would want to spend the day with their family, I mean, the energy and the excitement in, in the arena, it's, it's just amazing. One of my favorite memories is not even my memory. It's, it's a by proxy memory through my parents. St. Patrick's Day, 1989, Rhode Island. Vanderbilt is playing Notre Dame. Vanderbilt is coached by C.M. Newton. It was his last game at Vanderbilt before he took the athletic director job at Kentucky. Um, Notre Dame is coached by Richard Digger Phelps. My uncle was friends with C.M. Newton, so he got tickets from my parents. They go up to see that game, and the game after them is Princeton versus Georgetown when Georgetown beat them by one point. My parents were there for that game. They went for the Notre Dame-Vanderbilt game, stayed for the second game, and it's this classic game where Princeton almost upsets. Alonzo Mourning has to block a shot to beat Princeton in the final seconds. Did you know that uh, one of uh, a young man from Bergen Catholic started for Princeton that day? Name guy by the name of Jerry Doyle. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, Bergen County guy started for Princeton that game. Wow. See, look at more Bergen County connections. That's what you bring this guy on for, Brian. <laughs> That's right. He's got, <laughs> He's got him. Now, hey, Chris uh, De Blasio, I'm going to ask you uh, and, and Gaskin too. It, it, final four experiences. Um, Chris Gaskin, have you been able to, to, to be uh, in person at a Final Four? You know what? The one, um, one year, it's funny, I was supposed to go out to Seattle one year, but I got hurt and I had to have surgery, so I didn't go. But the one year that the Meadowlands had it in 96, I actually had tickets. I was hanging out at the hotels, all the teams, like my friends and I, and we got tickets, but it just got to the point where it was more advantageous to sell the tickets because people, the money that I bought it for, I tripled my money. And that was the year Kentucky beat Syracuse. Syracuse had John Wallace. Kentucky had like Tony Delk and those guys. Yep. And I think yeah. Mississippi State and UMass were the other teams in the Final Four that year. But, you know, it's funny, Brian, that you bring that up. I, I definitely know one thing. When I retire from teaching, one thing that I plan on doing every year is attend the Final Four. It's, yeah, it's just uh, the Blasio. It's something I've always wanted to do, Antonio, where it's out in Minnesota, wherever it might be. I just think that, you know, that, that's something I've always wanted to do. Coach Gaskin, that Final Four is great memories and terrible memories. It was literally the only time I ever won a bracket because I picked Syracuse to win the national title that year. And they got all the way to the championship game. But this horrible memory about that Final Four is three months later, the New York Knicks had three first-round draft picks, and they drafted John Wallace off of one Final Four team, Dante Jones off of Mississippi State, and Walter McCarty off of Kentucky, and all three of them f***ing sucked. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that we could use language like that. Uh, I just did because I'm still mad about that, and it's 25 years ago, and I'm still very visibly upset. You just create more work for me. Well, Walter McCarty leads Evansville to a huge victory and then uh, kind of uh, lost his job. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> might have been pulling a little Deshaun Watson. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wow, de Blasio's going all out tonight. <laughs> he did kind of go off on that. Um, yeah, but, you know, Gaskin, I, I'm with you on just being around the Final Four. Now you're talking to 
a couple of guys that have been to a, a couple, uh, just being wa- around it, just walking down the street and then just say, Oh, that, that was Jim Beheim. Like we just walked past and it's just, it's, <laughs> it's coaches after coaches. Uh, it's former players that are just there and a bunch of dudes just, just wanting to be around basketball and whether you're not, we go to the games. It's just, it's just something about the energy in the city. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be fighting my tail off to be able to get back to Indy. I was fortunate enough to go to the, for the first rounds, uh, which I think is just super unique. Now we're in this pandemic state, whatever we're doing and to be able to play all the games in one city, but I'm dying to get back to Indy, even though the NABC does not have their, their national conference in person this year. And for those of you are, that are listening, that are not a member of the national association of basketball coaches, I do encourage you to join. Uh, Cause it's, it's being able to go to that conference every year and just being around uh, coaches from around the country is, is a real hoot, but I don't know what I'm talking about other than this, I just love going to the final. Four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, highly, I highly recommend it. Yeah, and you know what is crazy? And I understand that in this society and everybody's got their needs, but I miss the days of guys staying in school three, four years and building those, those crazy rivalries and that their, their last chance to battle each other would be in the tournament or something like that. And I understand that, you know, everybody has their needs, family needs and personal needs for and different reasons why, you know, and the game has changed so much, but I mean, my memories of the, of the eighties and the early nineties NCAA tournaments are things that, you know, just, just the rivalries that have been built up for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden you're playing that same team for the third time in the, in the NCAA tournament or quite possibly the fourth time, you know, some of these big East and ACC teams would play each other four times. And, and you could just see that, you know, those games were so incredibly, uh, they knew everything about one another. And those are things that you're not going to see as much anymore. There's so many of the athletes are leaving early for, for either going overseas or NBA or whatever their personal decisions are. But I definitely miss the days of, uh, of building those rivalries through the four years and then some. John Wallace, Dante Jones, and Walter McCarty, and they all stunk. <laughs> they were all in the final four and they all stunk i mean that's that that literally is the first time the knicks have drafted poorly though right i mean let's just no it's just one in 30 years of drafting poorly come on have you, you ever to go through it i mean i could go through the litany of it have you ever heard of frederick vice oh don't do it don't do it christopher <laughs> brian what's your earliest memory of an ncaa tournament game God, you know, it's funny hearing Gaskin talk about that. I I was three in 1982, so I definitely don't remember that one. But, I, you know, the, my first memory of a tournament, I really don't know. And I I, I grew up well, in Sumter, coming to Columbia to watch ca- uh, Carolina basketball, South Carolina basketball, that is. Uh, so I remember being in that building, Frank McGuire Arena, with my, with my dad. But um, I don't remember – Gosh, I just – I really can't remember my first tournament, but I do remember my first real experience at a Final Four and just falling in love with that, and that was in 2006 in Indianapolis. And I'm sitting here trying to do the math and figure out how many Final Fours I've been to. It's over 10. Um, but, I, yeah, it's a great question about my first memory of a tournament. I really can't – I can't think of one. I really can't. I don't know, Chris, if, if you were too young at the time, but I can remember whenever the Meadowlands would host – the regional finals or the final four, they would always have open practices 
And that was always a fun thing to do too. Go down there and all you would see is local high school coaches, college coaches, just sitting there watching the practices. You know, those are just things that, uh, you know, you don't get to do too often. So that those were always pretty cool opportunities. In 1989, Duke was playing in the regionals down there and uh, they were staying at the Glenpoint Marriott. And uh, we were uh, at 7-Eleven on Cedar Lane down by Holy Name Hospital, Chris. And we saw Mike Krzyzewski in there getting a paper and coffee at like nine o'clock one night. Just like, you know, yeah. just in the 7-Eleven in Teaneck. It was like totally random. <laughs> well, that's back in the day when they used to host the ABCD camp at Fairleigh Dickinson. You would yeah. see those guys all the time for three days in a row. They were all in the area. You know, when all the best high school players in the country would be there. My first NCAA tournament memory is the Louisville 1986 Purvis Ellison. And it's actually a memory of not watching the game because it was too late and I had to go to school the next day. And my dad wouldn't let me stay up and watch the second half. So I sat at the top of the steps and listened to it, hoping he didn't hear me cheering. And, you know, now as I'm older, I think he probably heard me cheering and just didn't mind, or he was really slow, one or the other. I don't. <laughs> that was one of those games that didn't sit well with me. I was all about Duke. <laughs> I love Johnny Dawkins with his sweet lefty stroke. Yeah, um, I know that's your Jay Duke Bill team. Jay Billis, the Billis Jay trainer. Jay Billis, Mark Allery, and, and Tommy Amaker. And then they did that great documentary, The Class That Saved Coach K, which was those, those guys that made it all the way to the title game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Brian, tell us about – so, now, it probably was a little more special for you. I was sitting with you, and I was sitting with your mother when South Carolina did make the Final Four. We were at that regional final game in Madison Square Garden. We spent that whole weekend partying and hanging out with – Legends like John Chapel and Sheldon Everett and BJ Mackey and Ronaldo Balkman. And, yeah. um, but talk about for you, although, you know, I know we worked there together, but you grew up a Carolina fan, like you said, going to games and, you know, always being a season ticket holder, not just for the basketball team, but for everything that you and your mom and dad and, and your brother would go to. What was that feeling like? And you went out to Phoenix for the final four. Am I correct? Yeah, I, I did, and I it, honestly had already planned to go anyway. But to see South Carolina, Frank Martin led South Carolina do what they did, beating Duke along the way, Marquette, Florida, uh, just in the way that they were doing it was just – it was unreal. I remember being in that, in Madison Square Garden with not, you. and I, just, I don't mean to interrupt you, Brian, but I, I – I'm not trying to make it a bad memory, as I'm sure it's a great memory, but was that, was that just the year your father had passed away? Yeah, it was or the was, year – a year, a year after yeah um, but knowing what yeah, a big so it, carolina fan he was and oh yeah yeah he would have been just 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 loving it he would have been there and you know and just to be able to like i said to see i mean our listeners may know it may, may not know it success in south carolina especially in on the basketball side has really not really ever been there with a deep run in the tournament like that and just to see us keep winning and keep winning and keep winning, it was like, what? We just beat Duke? What? We just beat Florida? Again, like, it was, what is happening here? And I could only think about what it's like to be a, a Duke or North Carolina or a Kansas fan where it's just it, you're living and dying on every game. But, uh, but it was just – it really was. It's a great question, Chris. It, it was really 
really special. I'm sitting there looking at a picture of Sundarius Thornwell out in front of those guys and just holding up the net and the trophy. And it's just like, what in the world? And it was so, so crazy to get out there and watch them and play in Phoenix and just didn't get it done in that national semifinal. But you, you know, what's really cool about what you're saying right now, Brian, is that, you know, where we, where we live, this is a pro sports area up here in Northern New Jersey, right outside New York city. And me personally, I love the whole college, everything about college. And I've, I've had a hard time through the years convincing some of my lifelong friends about, you know, I'll go to football games at Penn State or Notre Dame or here or there. I've been to Cameron Indoor, you know, I've been to Carolina. They're like, what's, I just love the whole college atmosphere. Where you're coming from is you grew up in an area where South Carolina Gamecocks was, you know, so important in your life and in the life of everybody around you. Like from, you sounded like I sound when I talk about the Mets. Because the Mets usually are not good. And when they win, God, it was such an amazing feeling. (laughs) I love college athletics. But I I do think it really depends where you live. There are places in this country that it's just a pro sports environment. And the people will never appreciate exactly how you felt about that South Carolina team. I think it's a, it's a great point. And, and we talked about, I mean, and again, back to a, a note of thanks to you, Chris Gaskin, for helping us start this podcast. But episode 69 with Phil Martelli talking about how sports just brings people together. What a great social experiment. If you're on a team, but even in this case now, you're not on a team, but you're just pulling like all oh, get out for your team to win. Like it's just where else does that happen outside of sports? It's just a what what a social experiment it really is. I'm moved by oh, listen, it. again folks. as we're as we're taping this. Houston just won this game, and the the emotion of Kelvin Sampson, who I believe this is his first Final Four, has been a longtime coach, a really really good coach. Had some problems and, and had to build himself, build his reputation back up. But you see that emotional release. Uh, and I know, I'm pretty sure Coach Gass going to know this, Brian. I think you've seen the movie before with the movie Miracle about the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. One of my favorite scenes in that movie is right near the very, very end after they beat Russia and they show Kurt Russell uh, character, Herb Brooks. He goes into the tunnel underneath the, uh, arena by himself and he like exhales and celebrates like he can finally like all that emotion just comes out of him a guy who showed no emotion to just have it come out in that one moment and you're watching it right now and Kelvin Sampson like I said a guy how long has he been a head coach 30 years Chris yeah Kelvin Sampson you're you're 100 percent right now I love that scene in that movie um one of the best along with I'll make it you know, so when it comes down to it, you didn't pick up that reference. I'll make it. That's another great moment in sports movies. Jimmy Chipwood, I'll make it. But uh, I hate Hoosiers. So do you really? Yeah, I think it's a terrible movie. We got a oh. long way to go with him, Chris Gaskin. It's just he doesn't appreciate <laughs> good movies. We'll, we'll work on that later. But uh, then I'll skip that one. Wow, I've just lost some respect. <clears throat> But Kelvin Sampson, though, you've you got to be happy for guys who've had their ups and downs, who've been part of it for a long time. No doubt about it. Very happy for him. I'm just looking. I didn't know this about Kelvin Sampson. His first head coaching job was in 1981 at Montana Tech at 7-20 and 20 was his record. The Montana Tech Ore Diggers in the Frontier Conference, they went 0-15 in the conference. 
And 40 years later, he's now in the final four. Perseverance, dedication, or is it just March Madness? <laughs> well, it gives me, and I know you always you always pump me up, Coach Gaskin, when, when I talk about my team or lament where my program is right now. Kelvin Sampson started at seven and twenty. My first year I went one and twenty-two. And look at you now. You're on the little podcast that could. <laughs> not <Twice>. once. <laughs> not once, but twice. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, even watching the the end of this game here. I don't know if it's CBS or if it's if any network would be doing this, just showing the slow motion shots going in, the slow motion hugs, like they know how to do it. And I watched bits and pieces of this game, and I don't really have any real connection to this game, but I'm still sitting there looking at it like, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> and, and, and let alone having a team that I'm actually really interested in. It's just something – it really is – I know we just keep saying kind of the same thing. It's just really magical, but really looking at the TV coverage and what they've been able to do with this. I'm watching this on a computer at March Madness Live – watching it for you can watch it on my phone well i remember the first time that's probably one of my best memories chris de blasio now that i think about it the first time i could watch it on a computer at work <laughs> on that first thursday and be able to log in and watch games all day on thursday and friday i saw something the other day on one social media site that said you know right now you're thinking about your coolest teachers in high school who used to let you watch the tournament while you were in class and so many people like oh yeah mr so-and-so or mrs so-and-so like because you know here kids if you're a sports fan back then you're in class when the tournament's going on you want to watch the tournament but brian i have a question for you again speaking about you know living uh where you live like i know every year my biggest fundraiser of the year was a final four party a lot of my alumni a lot of the people from town, the community, referees, coaches from the area. And we would raise a lot of money for my program, you know, and, and those were the people who really were into the tournament. Do you feel like if South Carolina is not in it or not successful, that it's still huge down by you? I think it's still very big. Now I'm in Columbia. We've got a, a big sports talk radio station here, 107.5 the game. Um, but I'll be honest with you. It's South Carolina is still a football state first. It's football first. Um, but I think there are guys like me. And listen, I've y'all, y'all, you know, I know a little bit about basketball. I don't know a lot about the history as much as you guys do. Um, but there are a lot of guys like me in pockets around South Carolina that just really love basketball and it means a lot to them. Um, but it's, it's, it's a big deal. Um, I think it would be a bigger deal if South Carolina was more uh, successful. It's a really big deal on the women's side with Dawn Staley and what oh, she's been doing. Women's still rolling right now, you know, and so I think that's brought more interest, especially on the women's side. And it's really kind of a whole different fan that did. And it's it's kind of funny to look at it in Columbia. You, a lot of people either watch women's basketball in South Carolina or watch men's basketball. And there's not a whole lot of overlap. It's really Dawn kind of Staley fascinating. was an amazing player. And now she's had an amazing coaching career. You know, I know that, you know, the only, I, I watch you guys on TV occasionally because of um, what's his name? Um, Justin, uh, Justin Manaya. Manaya. Yeah. Just to see how he's doing, but Dawn Staley, what an amazing job she's done. So I understand where you're coming from, you know, with that for sure. Mm-hmm. 
All I know is I hit a triple off of Dawn Staley in kickball at a South Carolina Athletic Department field day. That's all I know. Two there's, no way, there's no way you made it to third base without stopping. Well, as, as the announcer said when I got to third and was huffing and puffing, he said, Chris de Blasio, how does it feel to turn a home run into a triple? <laughs> <laughs> uh, What's-his-face said that, uh, Rose? Um, the SID, whose daughter played at your school. Um, uh, uh, Steve Fink. Fink. Yeah, Steve Fink. <laughs> <laughs> That was a great how many line people watch, How many people watching CBS right now know how good a player Clark Kellogg was back in the day None. at Ohio State? None. <laughs> Clark Kellogg was – and he was what? the top, He was the number 14 pick in the NBA draft. He was yeah, an amazing player. The Pacers, right? Played with the Pacers. Yeah, and he, play, he played at Ohio State with one of your uh, local townies there, de Blasio. Tony Campbell from Teaneck, New Jersey. TC, baby. <laughs> Now we're just showing off, Brian. Sorry. Yeah, well, you know, I didn't really realize much about Clark Kellogg until last weekend in Indianapolis and walking around Banker's Life Arena and seeing all the old pictures. I'm looking for a picture of George Glimp, by the way. Couldn't find one, but I'm looking around. Oh, and I, saw, I saw Clark Kellogg hanging up there, and I'm like, holy crap. I had. I mean, I knew I knew he had to play some level of basketball, but that's, that's, that's my level of junkiness. I didn't know if much. It, of if, it wasn't for, if it wasn't for bad knees, he would have had an even better career. Guys like him and Wayman Tisdale. Remember Wayman Tisdale from Oklahoma? Wayman Tisdale, yeah. Guy could, he Wayman. could not miss ever. Accomplished saxophone player, I believe, Wayman Tisdale. Huh? Yeah, I think he's passed away now. He did. Yeah, he did pass away, but he was very good. I want to say alto sax player, like Kenny G. <laughs> no, I'm Kenny serious. G, he... Is Kenny G the only alto sax player you know? And Wayman Tisdale. How many alto oh, sax okay. players do you know? <laughs> No, and you got me. You stumped me. You got me. Oh, no. Jazz bass guitar. Sorry. But I knew he was an accomplished musician. So there you go. All right. Now we're just boring people to death. <laughs> Brian, how do you want to end this? I, you know what? That's a great question. I haven't thought about it. I just I, I do want to say, Chris Gaskin, another just public thank you. It's been a, a lot of fun. Almost a year. That's crazy, though. That's the first time I've looked that up. I was, I was starting to wonder, like, when was the first episode of this? And it was April the 12th. But yeah, Chris, thank you. Listeners, thank you. It's been a, a fun ride. We're going to keep doing this every Wednesday. We've gotten Chris and DeBasi. I don't know if I told you. A lot of good feedback from one episode per week. So we're going to keep it going. Okay, good. Per week. It gives chance to listeners a chance to really listen and catch up and all that. But really encourage our listeners to go back. There have been some great high school coaches. Go back and listen to episode one and hear the golden voice of Chris Gaskin and hear us just flubbing, not knowing what the heck we were doing. That's a, well, I know Chris Gaskin mentioned it, but he's going to help us. And Brian, we talked about it the other day. I'm going to talk to coach Gaskin about getting us Bruce hamburger on now that, you know, now that the NCAA season is over, um, maybe getting uh, what's his name on Chris from St. Francis, Rob Crimmel. Uh, I'll try to Rob reach out Krimmel to Rob. Who's, a, who's an excellent, excellent coach at St. Francis, Pennsylvania. Well, I had a chance to meet uh, about a year and a half ago with Coach Gaskin, um, and uh, he's going to help us get some other guests. So we always thank Chris Gaskin. Hey, listen, and you know what, guys? Maybe this bored some people, but I thought your topic tonight was awesome. It's March Madness, baby, and what? Uh, this is awesome. And, uh, you know, maybe I showed right, my easy. age with take some of easy. my – I showed my age with some of my favorite games, but I'm sure there's some guys out there older than me who are going to have some great recollections of some of those games as well. And, uh, you know, always great to uh, talk hoops. And de Blasio cursed tonight, so I'll just say, always nice to shoot the shit with some guys that <laughs> love, the sport as much, love the sport as much as I do. 
we might just have to leave that in just and just put that little e for explicit uh but uh whatever we'll uh, we'll figure that part out but guys this has been a lot of fun we'll just have to do it again we'll just have to have the return of chris gaskin part three sometime here in the next uh near future but uh we'll go ahead and wrap this one up for my co-host chris de blasio i'm brian rosefield and thank you for listening to this episode of the greatest games